This is a CBC podcast. Well, since we last checked in with our political panel, a few things have been happening in Saskatchewan politics. We have summer by-elections now underway. The premiers gathered in Winnipeg and Brant and the province have agreed on a multi-million dollar lawsuit settlement. Adam Hunter covers politics for CBC Saskatchewan. And Murray Mandrick writes a political column for the Regina Leader Post and Saskatoon Star Phoenix. And they join us every week at this time. Good morning, Adam and Murray. Good morning. Good morning. So first off, those by-election calls, Adam, I know you've been counting down the days. It's been like Christmas morning. We were so excited yesterday, <laughs> Murray and I, at the news conference for, for uh, the, the announcement with the Premier. Uh, the Premier, yes, waited till the final, the final second. He, uh, he finally, you know, had a buzzer beater calling this, this by-election uh, and had a news conference yesterday with the Three candidates for Regina Coronation Park, Regina Walsh-Akers and Lumsden Morris, where the by-elections will be happening. And uh, Carla Beck held a similar announcement with two of her candidates who were in the city uh, yesterday. Uh, the really interesting thing, I think, apart from the by-elections, we talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about it, uh, is the, the change by election Saskatchewan for this by-election to move to what they're calling a voting week. They're hoping this will be the the model going forward for, for the regular elections. And what's happening is the election voting will start on uh, August 3rd, and it'll happen for six days, culminating on August 10th. Uh, election Saskatchewan says this gives people more chances to vote, and it's a little more inclusive, and they're hoping that this is something that the, the government agrees to adopt, uh, and MLAs agree to adopt for the provincial election next fall. And Murray, we haven't seen summer by-elections, well, very often at all in this province. What makes that different? Well, why we haven't seen them is because they're a dopey idea. Uh, people are away on holidays. They, uh, uh, candidates can't get out with people and, and engage because they're in their backyards, they're in the lake, they're wherever. Uh, they're, they're even hesitant holding them in June when people are still around with kids in school. But in August, come on, dog days of August. Uh, it's, it's interesting what Adam said because in relation to uh, the voting week concept because this might cut into uh, the very cynical strategy, and I think it is a very cynical strategy uh, from the Premier holding them on August 10th, which I think is to only get out, particularly in the city ridings, the most motivated voters, and hopefully uh, they uh, will get these motivated voters out uh, and uh, and pull us what I think would amount to right now, even though they hold two of the uh, the two Regina ridings, a bit of a surprise win, because uh, it's fully expected that uh, the NDP will win both seats, and the SAS party will breeze through the Morris, uh, uh, Lumps and Morris riding, with the only really intrigue being what does the Saskatchewan United Party do, running hard on issues like uh, the Planned Parenthood class thing in in, uh, in Lumsden. But the mm-hmm. interesting thing to me is whether this strategy of, uh, of uh, uh, Premier Scott Moe actually works or whether it just actually motivates people uh, and makes them even more angry. Uh, and you can't tell with the summer by-election because you really don't know who's who's going to be around to vote. I'm really intrigued to see how a voting week might cut into that. Okay, and then on to the Council of the Federation. That's the cool name we call it when the premiers get together. What happened there this time, Adam? Yeah, there's a, a kind of a laundry list of things as you'd expect when you know you have premiers and uh, from all the provinces and territories getting together in a country as big as Canada. Uh, they don't exactly have uh, the same list of priorities 
but we came away uh, on Wednesday, the last day of the conference, uh, with a news conference with all the the premiers, and they touched on a few different issues. They want to talked about bail reform, the future of the RCMP. They talked about uh, healthcare and recruiting internationally, uh, wanting more support from the federal government for that. A lot of these meetings, that's what it turns into. It's got asks of the premiers to the federal government. Uh, one of the focuses was infrastructure spending uh, and a commitment there. We want a meeting with the with the prime minister on that, and uh, more I guess close to close to home. The focus for a couple of days from our, our premier was on the port strike in BC and the economic impacts that had on Saskatchewan and, and the export uh, industries here. So uh, those are some of the some of the topics that came up and that were focused were a focus of the premiers. Let's continue with that last topic, Marie. Um, tell us how it connects to the labor dispute at the Port of Vancouver. Uh, well, it, it's a critical issue right now, Tori, as, as you well know. Uh, and it goes beyond just the immediate of the port strike right now. What Premier uh, Scott Moe talked about uh, right in the middle of the by-election announcement, and I was quite fascinated by uh, how thoughtful his response was in terms of uh, – uh, of what was accomplished at the Premier's conference in terms of things like infrastructure and needs. Beyond the immediacy of dealing with the port strike and getting things moving again, he spoke of the need simply to improve ports, to improve infrastructure, to improve roads, transportation, uh, uh, rail, to get things to port. This is what po- uh, politicians should be doing at these conferences. They have to be dealing with the immediate and finding better solutions so that we don't have these dis- disruptions that hurt our economy and rob us of our abilities to pay for roads and hospitals and schools. And they have to actually uh, look at how people can help themselves build long-term prosperity. And the re- and the way to do that in an economy like ours is to be- make sure that the traffic of goods and services are flowing. And from that perspective, I thought it was very, very interesting. Everybody else will find this as dull as dishwater, but you know me. I, I am a man of international intrigue, obviously, <laughs> and love infrastructure. <laughs> but, 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 but it's important. And uh, I think what the premiers had to say and what Scott Moe had to say about this uh, was uh, a strong commitment to this notion and actually, it's kind of good to see compared to uh, the normal political squabbling we uh, we we hear all the time from premiers are just simply whining and cries from. And uh, so onto that Brant settlement. Uh, sounds like a lot of tax dollars here. Adam, tell us the latest on that. This is like the end, uh, seemingly the end to a, about almost a nine-year saga here with the CNIB building uh, that had been in the park. Uh, on the edge of the park for you know decades, built in 1955, and people in the city will remember that you know the CNIB was looking for someone to build a build a new headquarters. Eventually, Brandt emerged as that person. Uh, Brandt was going to Brandt Properties was going to um, develop that land, uh, put a four-story uh, office building there, 77,000 square feet and uh, give a portion of that to about 4,000 square feet to CNIB for their headquarters, but rent or lease out the rest of it to uh, tenants. Uh, that project, when it was initially approved by, by, the, by the province, the, the, the Provincial Capital Commission and the group uh, that approved it, that was met with a lot of uh, criticism from not only citizens, but also Regina City Councillors who didn't like the process, said it lacked transparency, Ultimately, in 2019, the provincial auditor released a report who said that, yes, the, the process 
could have been better. At that point, the government kind of paused the project uh, pending a review and going through making some new steps uh, for Brandt that upset Brandt as the developer. Uh, eventually, even with the building being torn down, the Brandt ultimately you know, abandoned the project in 2022 and sued the government. And we found out uh, that the government has settled for $11.6 billion to Brandt. They say there won't be another building there in the park under these uh, these two groups with Brandt and CNIB partnered. They settled the, the lease agreement and we didn't get a ton more details about the settlement, but that that's sort of the background and, and what we know now uh, between the, the deal between Brandt and the government. And so, Marie, do you think this will have any effect on the government? I'm not sure. It's an absolutely outrageous settlement for an absolutely outrageous situation that should have never happened in the first place. This was public property, uh, our our park, our land. uh, Brandt came in and basically came in with a proposal that Bennett fitted them massively commercially under the skies that they were doing something beneficial for the CNIB, which of course they were, uh, because uh, the CNIB would have uh, would have benefited. Brandt would have been benefited far more. Brandt has close political connections to the SAS party. Brandt, for a property that they didn't own uh, and just absolutely didn't little other than, than uh, demolish the existing building and put forward a proposal, walks away with $11.6 million. Why people aren't outraged about this, I'm not sure or at least more outraged than uh, they are. This could very much come back to uh, uh, bite uh, the government uh, quite hard. And I, I, I'm, as I say, I'm, not, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little uh, puzzled as to uh, why people aren't a little bit more angry about this than they are, because this was, this was handled horribly by the government from beginning to end, and the end including this $11.6 million settlement that they're not even explaining. Yeah, and I had to check back when Adam said nine years. I couldn't believe it. Nine years that's been going on. All right, thank you both. You're very welcome. You're welcome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.